Welcome to the Energy Update presented by the Institute for Energy Research for the week of January 11th, 2021. I'm Alex Stevens. On the blog this week, I want to highlight an article titled Fighting Back Against California's Natural Gas Bans. Some 40 communities in California have implemented bans or restrictions on the use of natural gas, which have ignited a backlash from some of California's prominent Black and Latino leaders who indicate that the prohibitions on the fuel are a form of regressive tax on low- and middle-income residents. About 86% of homes in California use natural gas. Banning the direct use of the fuel for cooking, home heating, water heaters, and clothes dryers will force consumers to instead use more electricity, which, on an energy-equivalent basis, costs four times as much as natural gas. That ban would essentially result in a hidden energy tax and a massive burden on consumers in California, which has the highest poverty rate in the United States. When accounting for the cost of living, 18.1% of the state's residents are living in poverty, which is equivalent to about 7 million Californians, a population about the size of Arizona's. Also on the blog this week, we have an analysis of the year-end spending bill. Uh, The U.S. Congress recently passed a massive spending bill that includes $35 billion in energy research and development programs, a two-year extension of the investment tax credit for solar power, a one-year extension of the production tax credit for wind power, and an extension through 2025 for offshore wind tax credits. These energy provisions are included in a $1.4 trillion spending and tax extension package. The wind and solar industries claim that utility-scale solar and wind power is already cost-competitive against coal-fired power across the world and with natural gas-fired power plants in many markets, and yet both industries act like they need the tax credits to exist. Despite billions of dollars in subsidies and state mandates requiring them, wind and solar power provided less than 10% of the nation's electricity in 2019. Finally, just before the holidays, I sat down to record a new episode of the Plugged In podcast with Dr. Ellen Wald. Dr. Wald is a senior fellow with the Atlantic Council's Global Energy Center and the president of Transversal Consulting. We discussed the importance of affordable plastics and the rollout of the coronavirus vaccine. Here's a short clip from that podcast. Yeah, so we wanted to reach out to you uh, because Jordan caught a series of your tweets where you uh, were basically pointing out the important role of plastics in uh, this crazy COVID world that we're living in right now. Um, So, yeah, just to start, you just want to point out, you know, what what jumped out to you and what brought that to your attention? Yeah, so I've actually been thinking about this for a little while because um, right before this whole kind of coronavirus thing got started, there was a big push uh, to get rid of single-use plastics. If you remember, there is all of this, you know, this city is banning plastic straws and that city is banning plastic silverware and, and all, uh, all of this this kind of stuff, plastic bags. And people were talking about how this could really have an effect on um, plastic manufacturing and, and so on and so forth. And it's always been hard to figure out like what percentage of plastics manufacturing actually goes to single-use plastics as opposed to say like the big stuff like the coatings that they put on the window of your car, which is, you know, a much bigger component. But still, um, you know, everyone has a sense that that is an important component, especially because it's stuff that we see. And um, and then suddenly, you know, coronavirus hits, and that's like t- totally out the window. Forget it. Everyone is now into single-use plastics. Throw it away. Get it away from me. It might be contaminated. And um, I think that's a significant concern and definitely going to have an effect on pollution and ocean pollution in particular, which seems to be where a lot of this stuff um, winds up. But um, 
really what, what occurred to me, I was actually uh, watching the news uh, while I was working out. So uh, we could call it maybe an adrenaline-fueled tweet <laughs> storm. And uh, they were showing, uh, and, and they've had like a reporter outside of the manufacturing facility and I think Kalamazoo, Michigan, waiting for the first trucks of the vaccine to pull out of the, the factory to go to hospital. So it's been a really hyped event. And so they finally had gotten to this hospital in, um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and they were in the the room where they're going to store them and the reporters there and the head of the you know pharmacy or whatnot is there and they're unpacking these boxes and they're putting these little cases of vials into this refrigerator that's going to refrigerate them it says like negative 70 on the refrigerator and I'm looking around the room and there is plastic everywhere it's like plastics just exploded into this room you've got you know, each, each vial, and they're showing how the vials are packed in these boxes. Um, they've got plastic peanuts underneath each case. Then the boxes themselves, are, are the cases are encased in styrofoam. And then I, I, I started thinking about it, and it's like everyone is praising the scientists, and I've even heard them praising the UPS drivers and, you know, the pilots who are going to fly this stuff. And that's all great. But one of the things that you have to realize is that absolutely none of this would be even remotely possible without fossil fuels. And it's not just because it requires energy and gasoline and diesel and jet fuel to transport these things, but also because fossil fuels are the feedstock to make plastics and to make the styrofoam. And um, as I was informed after I, I finished my, my little tweet storm was that also um, they provide the components for refrigeration. So, you know, we need power for refrigeration and most likely that power comes from natural gas fired power plants because, you know, that's what I think the, most of the country is running on right now. Although there could be nuclear, could be hydro. But chances are some of that comes from natural gas. But also, the, these things are the feedstocks that make refrigerants. They also make the plastics that go into the gloves that the nurses who are going to be administering this vaccine are wearing. And the syringes. We don't use glass syringes anymore. We use plastic syringes. And all that stuff is also going to get thrown away, right? Every single person who gets that vaccine, they're going to throw away a lot of plastic for every because it's not hyg considered hygienic to reuse this kind of stuff. And so I think it's important for Americans and also everyone in, in the world who's going to be getting this to realize that without the fossil fuel industry, and particularly without cheap fossil fuels, it really is cheap, inexpensive fossil fuels, this vaccine rollout would be completely impossible. It just, it, it couldn't happen. All of that content and more work from IER staff can be found at our website, instituteforenergyresearch.org. Thank you for listening. Until next week, I'm Alex Stevens.